to get. Funky radical hip as I get to the point. Rock this funky joint. Yeah. Hello, Renegade Culture. Renegade Culture in the building. Jersey. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm alive on arrival. Good to see you, sir. Nice to see you too, my man. Who you be? I be Kamal K. Franklin, and you are? I'm the mighty Kalanji Jamachega, a.k.a. the riot starter. True that. It's none harder. Anyway, okay, slow it down, please. To the, <laughs> we also got in the building the Knights. The Ear Doctor. Ear Doctor's in the building alongside. Transmitted live from the planet Earth. It's Minister Server along with. Your boy, Jai. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Hey, man. It's been an interesting week, my man. Yes, the first show since the inauguration of Satan, part two. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> so this is jump in right away, yo. It's right away. You know what I'm saying? From the beginning, get them started. What, kind, starter. what kind of man would I be if I didn't get taken <laughs> nah, to the nah, point? No, no, no. That's what we got to do. You know what I'm saying? People, I mean, many folks are telling me, they're like, yo, don't, don't, don't ruin people's good time. Yeah. Don't talk bad. Uh-huh. I was like, somebody's got to say something hey, about man. it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's my job. Yeah, this renegade culture. For what do you think we going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I started to wear my chucks, but uh, I couldn't find no dog shit to step in. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got a good show tonight. Very good show tonight. We got a couple uh, dope folks on. You know, know what, what I mean? And, and they're going to they gonna get busy. But I, I want to point out something special, my man, Minister Server and shit, right? What happened? Um, today, I was looking online, and Minister Server posted a throwback photo. Of? Yes, of, of himself. Let's what? Th- let's, in the 80s. Let's throw this uh, photo up real quick, like this. Okay. Oh. So, 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 yes. Classic shit. Man. Okay, man. Listen. That no. body looks a little listen. different than it does listen, now. Listen, you know hey, listen, don't man. don't understand See, the 80s, bro. This, just this, can't understand it. Y'all just too young. To, to, the, you minister, don't get it. to the minister's <laughs> defense. This particular photo right here, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is when he was the MVP in the uh, Village People versus Soul Sonic oh. Force volleyball game. God damn. <laughs> Celebrity volleyball game. You know what I'm saying? Now, go get it. Oh, yeah. 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 man, too, yo. That, that, that's when uh, Africa Band Body used to babysit for him. Oh. 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 Yo, he had some black, anyway. black exploitation Daisy Dukes on, yo. Them shits was terrible. Yeah, that, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a professional kickball <laughs> shoes. <laughs> anyway. Yo, 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 big up to the mighty men of Omega Side 5 Fraternity Incorporated. These youngers don't know nothing about the bros. Okay. They don't know that the late. See, that was a ladies' look. I'm glad you didn't like it because I'd have been wondering. Uh, okay. That was look for the ladies. Uh, now, now, you say, who did you say? Who? I mean, what did you say? The, uh, what was the name of the group? The Fire Side. Oh, oh, the, the Greek. Oh, the black, oh, the black, oh, okay, the black okay, okay. Music okay. The mighty men of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Put some respect on that shit. Did they make, did they oh, make, oh, y'all, did they make y'all wear that outfit? <laughs> no, no, no. That's I made them wear outfit. it after me. That was his pledge outfit, baby. Otherwise, why else would he wear it? Hey, he had to get spanked wearing that you know what shit. what I'm saying? But anyway. Hey, brother <laughs> on my team. Maybe one day, maybe one day, y'all will understand the wonders of Omega. Probably not. But maybe one day. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Hey, I'm not even going to go there. I ain't saying nothing. Shout out to all the uh, uh, bros. <laughs> I'm just asking you, don't ever, never, ever, 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 never come to Renegade Culture dressed like that. Doom, anyway, back to business. Yeah, so like we were saying, we're going to have a dope show. We're going to yes. have uh, Davey D coming on. We're going to Dave- have a speech coming on. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Davey what? D from the West Coast? Davey D from the what? West Coast. Legendary. Oh my goodness. Legendary. From the Bay. From the Bay. The journalist. Yeah, the journalist. Yo. Oh my goodness, Davey D is in the building. Davey D is hard 
Knock Radio. I've never been on, man. You've never been on Hard Knock no, Radio? No, I have to bring that up. That's why the show's been so successful. Oh, goddamn, yeah. no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> David's a smart man. You know, he ain't like some of these other journalists we had on here. You know what I'm saying? You know, I ain't going to name none of these journalists, some of yeah, you the will, ones he put yeah, on you there. Will, you I will. can't think of their names, but I will later on. Don't That's worry about it. I've been on everybody else's show. Yeah. And our special musical guest is going to be? Special musical guest who has a brand new album and All single right. out. All right. From the uh, Grammy Award winning, two time right. Grammy. Award winning. Come on now. Uh, multi-platinum. Come on now. Soul Train Music Award. Just, just don't stretch it out so much. You got you got another intro to do when they yeah. come on. It's like, I am everyday people. people. Speech from Arrest Development will be making his return. Oh, Bam! The Renegade Appearance coach. on Renegade Coach. Yep. And we got us a new Patreon sponsor. Who we got? Yo, big up to Robin Kinkler. Kink. Hold up. Oh, goddamn. Oh, Klinkner. What's your name? Big up to Robin Klinkner. Well, big, big up to Robin. Robin will take her support. money back now. Now she's going to be like, give me my money back. He fucked up my name so yeah. bad. And this cat right here. Big up yeah. to Robin for uh, supporting on the Patreon. That's thank right. you, Robin. You know what I'm saying? And uh, thank you for Naka. He's getting hooked on phonics. So I next show, we'll have a wrap. I'm just going to say, part of that money, Robin, will go to reading his fundamentals. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we got Yo. Anyway, you listen to Renegade Coaching. and we'll be right the book back at you. Bam! What's happening? Renegade Coach is in the building. And we back, back, back. You know what I mean? This is episode 97. Ooh. Hot 97. And don't confuse us with New York. This is the Hot 97 show that's right here, Renegade Coaches. Hot Atlanta, yo. That's right. We three shows away from 100. When we get you know to 100, I mean? we're yeah. going to promise to do something special for y'all because y'all been big. special for us. Real you know big, real big. And, and I, I want to point out something that we not gonna, I can't get into detail right now. Mm -hmm. But on the 100th episode, we're mm -hmm. going to announce something major we're uh -oh. doing. That's right. Something very, very big that we're doing with a couple other folks that you know. That's right. That's going to take us to another level. We're going to blow know it mean? out the water, so yo. stay the fuck tuned. That's right. So let's get right into it, yo. Our special guest, Davey D. Let me do a, a brief intro. Okay. Brother Dave, Davey D. Cook is a nationally recognized journalist, adjunct professor at San Francisco State, hip-hop historian, political commentator, syndicated talk show host, radio programmer, programmer, media justice, and community activist. For all, one and all, Brother David G, Davey D, thank you for joining us. I almost changed the letter in your name, brother. Yeah, yeah, there you go. How you doing, brother? It's good to be on here on the Renegade Show. No doubt. What's yeah. good with you, man? We ain't seen you in a few minutes. Well, I'm out here celebrating, you know, got my pom-poms and chucks on. Okay. And uh, we're, we're happy, you know, Oakland is in the building. And you got the White some pearls House on too? You got some pearls? Everywhere. There you go. The man said Oakland, you had pearls. Oakland, Oakland rules the world. We were just on with the Versus thing right. that... You know, oh, yeah. came on. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Golden State Warriors are getting ready to come on. I okay. Mean, everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hey, man, you know we in Atlanta. Don't start all that <laughs> shit, man. Oh, oh, sorry about that. You know this. what I'm saying? Got my, <laughs> got my Oconda shirt on. There it goes. Okay, oh, okay, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, Represent oh, tonight. Oh, oh, okay, oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, Wakanda and Pearls. My adopted home. Yeah, there you go. Right. Okay. So, so let's ask you right away, you know, uh, in the radical world, obviously, uh, Ms. Harris is, is somewhat controversial, but I think there's this level of conversation is happening and people are so happy that the orange dude was defeated and he's out and they think they can pressure Kamala. Um, what do you think of her knowing, seeing her up close and personal out in the West Coast? Well, you know, first I think, you know, let's take a moment to look at the fact that people organized and they did a lot of stuff that they didn't expect to do to get rid of somebody who they saw 
as an existential threat, which was Donald Trump. And to that degree, I salute my hats. I was part of that effort. I didn't want him for another four years. Um, I don't think anybody I know had any illusions that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris was going to be the be all end all or the panacea or even a direct solution to any challenges that we had. But if I had to pick a fight, you know, and I got to fight, you know, you, you, you know, it's like a video game. Which opponent do you want to fight? You know, do you want to fight the guy with the knife or the guy with the uh, gun? Do you want to fight the guy who knows karate or do you want to fight the boxer? And so I think people made the choice that they'd rather fight with Biden and Harris than they would with Donald Trump. Um, so that's one aspect to it. With that being said, um, you know, to you, answer your question about Kamala, many of us who knew her were concerned that as she was making history, being the first black DA in San Francisco and the first black attorney general, the rub on her in the Bay was not that she was locking up people. That's the national narrative, which I don't necessarily know is quite accurate. Um, the rub on her here was that she wouldn't go after the cops. She wouldn't go after um, killer cops, in particular, Mario Woods, when he was killed in San Francisco in her old district uh, with people who actually started, you know, get, you know, they sat there and said, hey, I gave her her first dollar. Let me get on the phone and call. So she, it wasn't like she was far away in velvet gloves and couldn't be reached. People talked to her and she was very reluctant to get involved with that case. She was very reluctant to get involved with the 13-year-old um, Andy Lopez, the 13-year-old kid in Santa Rosa who was shot and the DA in that town was in the pockets of the sheriff department, which was responsible for shooting him. You know, they had given plenty of money to her campaign. So a request was made both by the Latin, Lat, Latino community up there, along with former Black Panthers, in particular, Big Man, um, who's now passed. Oh, um, they went and it was like, hey, Kamala, get involved. This is going to be a conflict of interest. And she avoided that. The context behind her avoiding it was because we knew and she knew that she was going to be running. And she had already angered the police unions in the Bay Area because she refused to put to death uh, somebody who had killed the cops. So she was against the death penalty. And so, you know, cops were kind of rubbed uh, the wrong way. And then she was also the DA when the San Francisco Eight was here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jerry Brown took that over. She didn't really resurrect that case. So the cops weren't really feeling her. And the community was like, yo, you, you're a black woman in charge. Let's get those, some things popping. And she didn't do it. Um, when she ran for president, we, we all figured that she was being quiet because she wanted to have a track record for, for running. She brought out about 20,000 people in downtown Oakland. And I think a lot of people were very surprised that she um, allowed the narratives of her not being black um, and her record of being somebody who locked up everybody, which you know, she's a prosecutor, so of course you can find incidents where she did it, but she was by far not the worst prosecutor in the state. The people that preceded her, who were actually progressives, actually had more people locked up. Uh, but she didn't defend that, which was like, wow, you know, that's interesting. Do you think she so, was trying to take, this, do you think she was trying to uh, take a more moderate stance or have a more moderate look and thought it was good to be attacked 
by the left on that and because she thought she would get more right wing votes or something like what well, do you think was behind that i think i think one what what the plan had been you know the democratic party had in its crosshairs the leadership is that they wanted suburban voters they wanted moderate republicans because if you know about the democratic party a lot of it comes out of the dlc the democratic leadership mm -hmm. conference so that whole footprint still exists corporate democrats neoliberal Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I think the play was, you know, we can go after these moderate Republicans and the, the elusive white working class. And so um, if you can come to the table and have some semblance of law and order, that will play out differently than it would in the black community. It'd be like, oh, okay, you know, you, you're the police. You're our mm -hmm. heroes. We watch you on TV every night and you know, and we have a different type of perception and understanding. So she was kind of Obama-like. In fact, they used to call her the female Obama. And the one thing that Obama was <clears throat> known for was being cautious. Mm -hmm. And he was cautious at our expense. Uh, and so Kamala, I think, played that game, even though people directly met with her. So I know that for a fact. Um, but I also know that they met with her after she's been nominated and she's pivoted on some things. So... Who knows where things are going to go? Um, you know, I have no illusions. This is just a, um, a, a momentary uh, pause. You know, we don't have to look at immediately somebody going, hey, if you breathe, we're going to throw you in jail. <laughs> you know, uh, we can breathe a little, but that means that you get to breathe and dig some more ditches and put some more things in place. Uh, these folks will eventually, as Democrats, they will disappoint and they will betray us. So um, that's how I look at Kamala. So I have no illusions. You know, I'm just glad the orange the orange guy ain't there. But um, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm I'm really not dancing in the streets with her either. No doubt. Speak, speaking of California politics, California is notorious for having um, actors as politicians. You know what I mean? <laughs> you went from Ronald Reagan to. Uh, Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we had Bono. Oh, man. Bono. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, is, is that is that the whole uh, this is Hollywood type thing or, or, or what's what, why, why do you feel that, that it's able to fly there seeing that California is one of the most important states uh, in America? Well, one, Hollywood as an institution is very powerful. It's one of the powerful building blocks. It has a lot of money. It's a billion dollar you know, multi-billion dollar a year industry. And that's just on the, um, the commercial side. If you add into it the porno industry, which is just as large, then you're really talking about something that is, um, is a juggernaut that, that, that you really have to kind of dance with. And so out of Hollywood comes a lot of legislation around copyright and piracy. Um, out of Hollywood comes you know, in some respects, a lot of tolerance. Hey, we want to have, you know, more tolerant type of, uh, of legislation. And that may range from LGBT rights to, uh, you know, sexual, um, you know, allowing people just to maybe be free in, t in terms of what they mm -hmm. want to do, right? Um, smoking weed, all that sort of stuff, I think is kind of you know, in the pair of view of Hollywood, you're gonna have people that roll in those different directions and they are able to flex. Um, with that being said, you know, because you had two conservative actors come out of Hollywood and become governor and president, right. Ronald Reagan and Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, there is 
the understanding of how to work media and how to appeal to people in a very emotional way and understanding that Hollywood has spent millions and millions of dollars um, doing marketing. You know, how do we get Kalanji? How do we get Kamal? How do we get Minister Serva? How do we get Davey D to come to the movies? Do we show a blue color, a pink color? Do we talk with a high voice or a low voice? They do all those types of studies Mm -hmm. to figure out how we're going to react. And so um, an actor like Schwarzenegger knew exactly how to play the cards. Um, I don't want to be long-winded, but let me just give you an example what he intuitively did versus his opponents. Mm -hmm. When Schwarzenegger ran for governor, you know, somebody like me who, you know, I, I kind of know how to get a crowd. I'm looking around. I go, hey, people are going to be at these football games. So true story. I was with Tavis Smiley, Michael Eric Dyson, and Cornell West. And we were in Sacramento, and they went to the house of, of um, oh gosh, he was the guy that was running against um, Schwarzenegger at the time. I'm going to remember his name. He was the controller. Mm-hmm. We're at his house, and we're talking, and... I made the suggestion. I said, if I was you, I'd go to the football game. I'd go to a Raider game and start, you know, getting voters there. Pass out, you know, uh, Raiders rule or whatever is on one placket and have your your sign on the back. And, you know, folks in the room kind of looked at me like, what the hell do you know about politics? And my response was more like, I'm on the number one station in this market. And, and, and arguably, the number one station maybe in the country because of its influence. So this is stuff that we do day in and day out. We got to figure out how to get listeners mm-hmm. um, every day. And so going to a football game is a, is a great place to go. So he poo-pooed it and was like, no, nah, I don't think we're going to do that. We're going to do something else. So if you go back and look, when Schwarzenegger ran for his second term, it's Monday night football. It's the opening night for the NFL. Who are they playing? They're playing the Oakland Raiders, who had just gotten Randy Moss. It's Monday Night Football, when Monday Night Football was on ABC. Mm-hmm. And they're playing, who? The San Diego Chargers. Stevie Wonder could see the, the, the genius <laughs> in that. You have Southern California, Northern California. Mm-hmm. You go to the football game. Well, the opponent, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting his name. He was at a rally in Dublin somewhere. Guess who was at the football game, walking around? Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger ran over to the black hole with buying people beers, talking about I'm going to be back, had all the cameras on him. It's like, I don't know if I go for the Raiders or the, or the Chargers, you know, north or south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, end of the story, he Please. clobbered his opponent in, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the election. Yeah, yeah. And prior to that, when he ran, people were going to these debates and Schwarzenegger said, I'm not going to a debate. And it'd be like, well, why would he do that? He says, because I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wherever I go, cameras will go. Mm-hmm. So when we were at debates, Schwarzenegger be in the middle of some, you know, God-forgotten town in the middle of the state where all the cameras would come in and he would have prime time to himself. So they say, here's the debate. And where's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, he's down here in, you know, uh, Modesto, California, and you show up in Modesto and he's the biggest story they've seen in 20 Mm -hmm. years. So the contrast is a boring debate and Arnold Schwarzenegger running around with kids and balloons and a big old party because he's a he's still a movie star. So let me stop you here. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, I know we're going to get into hip hop. Before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about Oakland. 
because Oakland okay. has changed over the years. And we right. want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Oakland right now, particularly with the black community. The we will be right back at uh, Renegade Culture. Yeah, Renegade Culture. Had renegade coaches in the building. Yo, we back, back. I keep like, I, I love to say that we back, back, back. This cat sound, sound like black, black. Sound, sound, like, sound like the count. Mm, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Anyway. Hey, why don't you do the Wakanda thing too while you at it? I like that, man. Yeah, like yeah. that. You like that. You like that. Yeah. How about you don't do that? Uh oh. Right. David got his shirt Thank on. They, they repping. Let's talk afterwards. Let's talk afterwards, fam. Let's talk afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, let's get back into it. So, uh, David, we want to talk about Oakland. You know, Oakland has. Mm -hmm this sort of reputation, particularly for its radical politics, not only radical black politics, radical white politics, obviously the birthplace of the Black Panther Party for self-defense. At one point, you know, black mayors and so forth. But little by little over the years now, it seems like uh, some of those politics may still be there, but Oakland as a black city or, or a, 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 a city that's mostly black and working class seems to be something that's no longer the case. What's happening in Oakland these days? Well, not, not only that, I want to add on with that. There has been some strong local politicians. You had Cat Brooks running mm -hmm. uh, yeah. for mayor. You have uh, Carol Fife, who's on city council right now. Yeah. Shout out to Carol and Terha and Che and all those good folks. But um, so we, we're noticing that there, 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 it, it seems to be a tug of war out there. Definitely talk about that. Well, Oakland, Oakland's always had, uh, it's been a city of resistance, whether you're talking about it on a political front, organizing front, or a street front. Um, there's a reason why you don't have the L.A. gangs in Oakland. There's a reason why Oakland does not look to New York for its cues and what have you. It's an independent city, very similar to Detroit, very similar to Houston. If right. Those are three places that I know of that are kind of like marched to their own drum, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Oakland is one of them. Um, the challenge that Oakland has is that it's been gentrified and, you know, with the tech boom. So, you know, people saw rents go from people not wanting to live in Oakland. And maybe if they did, you know, getting a three bedroom apartment to $800 a month to now you, you might be to get a three bedroom. You're looking at four or 5,000 with a waiting list. Mm. Right. So what happened? Oakland pivoted under Jerry Brown to become a world destination place. So this is a place where folks from other places bought property, they held on to it. They said, we can get this tech money or we can get this boarding money, this Airbnb money. So, you know, a lot of folks had to move and just like Atlanta and other places, um, you started to find a lot of people in the, in the so-called suburbs. So a lot of black folks are in places like Fairfield and Sassoon and Vallejo and Stockton and Antioch, you know, these are places that range from 20 to 30 miles away from Oakland. So with, even with that, Oakland still has a sizable black population. It's still about 30%. Mm -hmm. And you still have folks that have a radical bone to them. So you mentioned, you know, Kat Brooks, you know, heads up the anti-police terror project. She ran for mayor. And many of us think that she won, but, the, but you know, there might've been some shenanigans with the, with the voting. Uh, Carol Fife, who started, you know, who was instrumental with the Mons for housing, and they took over an abandoned house and made national news. She ran for city council and she won. Um, I think Cheney Turner is running for office. So there, there's a few people that are out here, and, and I don't think Oakland will ever lose its edge. Um, folks that show up here understand, you know, that they got to kind of walk on eggshells. You know, people are still town centered. 
even if they don't live here anymore, people show up, you know, from far away just to kind of reclaim the town and to be around it. So um, it, it's still it's still a rough and tumble city. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, um, and the, the beautiful thing about what you the connection as far as the uh, the the political activists and the grassroots activists. When you talk about folks like Kat and Carol and, and, and those folks, these are grassroots organizers that that we, we've been in LA and the Bay organizing together, you know what I mean? So, so I, I can attest to, to the work that they do out in the community, which is great. Um, right, well, I think, you know, it's important that, you know, we talk about electoral politics and, you know, the narrative, if you're looking far away, you know, like Carol won her race and it's like, well, that's it. You know, she's in the city council, work is done, you know, or Joe Biden or whoever got into office, work is done. I think most people are very clear that the election is a tool. Mm -hmm. You have a gun, <laughs> you have some nunchucks, you have a, a, a stick, you have a, a degree behind your name, um, you have some money in the bank and you have voting. And these are all tools in the arsenal that you use at any given time to, you know, to, to further the, the fight for liberation. Uh, so yeah, if you can get somebody into office and they can say, you know, we want to defund the police and they go, you know, I think I'm gonna vote for that. And we're gonna defund the police or we're gonna vote for a law to hold them accountable. That's maybe an easier path than, you know, picking up a gun and, and shooting somebody and maybe spending 40 years in jail okay. and then having to hope that some politician, by the grace of God, pardons you. Well, why not just, you know, get into that position ourselves and we don't have to wait for that and uh, understand that it's a tool uh, for the moment. And, uh, and it's also a great organizing tool, you know, mm -hmm. so why people can, you know, relate to the election, then it's going to be up to organizers to let them know that, um, the movement doesn't stop with the with the conclusion of the election. The movement stops when there's equality and people are 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 free. So I think people, are, most of the people I know, are pretty clear that and uh, and the voting is just a tool and, and one of the many weapons in your arsenal. Yeah, Minister yeah. Minister Serv has a question. He's going to um, chime in real quick. Big up, David sure. D. What's happening? Hey, listen, I'm good. You know, to say what you just talked about. We all know that there were some major pardons. Um, Kodak Black got pardoned, Lil Wayne got pardoned, Harry O got pardoned. So what's your thoughts about why did these uh, artists or these hip hop uh, people get pardoned by Donald Trump? What's your thoughts behind that? Two thoughts. I think, um, again, Donald Trump understands media. And he looks around, he goes, who's gonna talk the most craziness about me if I let them out? Mm -hmm. And where can I get some inroads? Okay, Kodak Black, you know, and Lil Wayne. You know, Lil Wayne came out in a very close election and endorsed Trump, mm -hmm. right? You know, he sat up there and took that picture with him. Um, you know, coming out of, well, he was in, in Georgia, so that was, I think he's living in Georgia, but we know him from being in New Orleans and people may even associate him with Florida. You know, that could have turned some, some heads, you know. All you, you know, Trump was trying to get you know, a certain percentage of the black vote. And he figured that would give him the edge in battleground states. So if he can show, show himself with a picture of Little Wayne, he was figuring maybe some of that cultural capital could translate to electoral capital at the polls. Um, Kodak Black, you know, his video came out yesterday and he's like, I don't care what y'all say, Donald Trump is my president, right? <laughs> so yeah, you go and screenshot that, put that in the video. And you know, if he ever runs again, 
you know, guess what will be in his commercial? Kodak mm-hmm. Black, you know, that's my president. And Trump, because he is in entertainment and he does have those pulls, you know, he can he can do some deals with, with some of these folks that others won't. Hey, man, I can get you some airplay. I can get you some interviews. I can get some visibility for your projects. Right. And, you know, maybe even put you on a reality show. So some of these artists, if you know them, you know, one thing about artists, they're either very egotistical or they're very insecure. And it's two sides to the same coin. Right. So you can play on the ego or you can play on the insecurity. But, you know, some people be like, you're going to let me be on TV? You're going to let me be on The New Apprentice? Man, that's well, my get, man. Let's get into the politics of hip-hop yeah. these days. Because yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Because you feel like, you know, more than ever, we've got, like, you know, you mentioned Kodak, Lil Wayne, Kanye. All of a sudden, there's right-wing rappers. And it's okay. They, some of them have been able to hold their audience, even though they got dragged on social media, but be right-wing. And that probably is not something that's been as prominent, you know, when rappers have taken political stances in the past, as what we see right now. What do you owe that to? Do you think it's just the, the money that can be made now? People worry about the tax don't, bracket? I don't think they're, I don't think they're white, uh, I don't think they're right-wing rappers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think these are the folks, and, and, you know, there used to be a joke, could you find a Republican rapper? Um, I don't think you're gonna hear a, a song in 2021 that is big upping Trump. You did hear 66 songs that name checked him before he ran for president. Mm-hmm. And this was after he um, put that ad out to call for the, the death yeah. of the Central Park Five or the Exonerated Five as they're mm-hmm. now called, yeah. right? So the point that I'm getting at, there's always these contradictions with people when they get money. Uh, Trump was somebody who hung out in these circles. So they're smoking weed, doing coke, you know, getting at girls, getting at women, you know, that whole type of vibe. Yeah. And so he became, you know, their buddy who has lots of money more than it was that he was somebody who they shared his political ideology. And it only really, you know, became a source of conflict for some of these folks when Obama was in office and many of them put their cultural capital behind Obama and saw that their buddy who they hung out with, who they had drinks with, who they shared women with, who they was kicking it with at the club was calling Obama basically a nigga without even saying it. You know, he's like, he's not a citizen. And so people are like, well, Diddy, what do you got to say about that? Russell, what do you got to say about that? You know, you go down the list like, man, this is your man. What do you got to say about that? And then look the community base who, you know, had admiration for Obama and be like, what do you have to say about your boy? And so you saw a lot of people kind of peel off. And then, you know, Kanye, if you know him, he's always trying to be, you know, if you go right, he's going to go left. So... He's contrary. You know, I wasn't wasn't surprised to see him do the move that he did, you know, but is Kanye really a politician who whose words we're gonna listen to? I mean, this past election showed, nah, not really. You know, you're just gonna be a part of the circus. Uh Little Wayne, you know, he has a fan base that might have, you know, with some people may have listened to him. So that's a whole different, you know, story. Kodak Black, I don't know where that yeah. will, you know, land. Um, but, you know, Trump or anybody who's on that right wing will take whatever publicity they can get mm-hmm. and any sort of validation uh, to folks that would say, are you guys racist? And he goes, nah, this is my boy Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Are you guys mm-hmm. racist? Mm-hmm. No, I said, I let Kodak Black, Kwame, you know, kill Patrick mm-hmm. and Harry O out of jail. Mm-hmm. What did Biden do? 
What did Kamala do? What did, what did Obama what did, do? What did Barack do? Right. They didn't do none of that, right? So right. it creates a different type of conversation. And, you know, I'm not going to argue with him for letting them free. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wish yeah, he would have yeah, yeah. let Jamil, I mean, you know, you know, H-Rap Brown and mm -hmm. others free. But, yeah. you know, yeah, um, that, that gives us an excuse to go and smash on them. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, if he can let them out. What are you gonna do, Uncle Joe? That's right. What are you gonna do, Mama La Harris? <laughs> I mean, that's what that's. I mean, I don't laugh, but that's our job at this point yeah, is right, to, right, is right. to point real. that out and to, you know, quietly behind the scenes and let others in front of the scenes that are more loud, you know, kick up dust and be like, you know, let's get Matul Shakur out. Yeah, let's get out. some of these other people out of jail. And well, do you if hope not, for hip hop? Let me jump in I'm, for a second. Do you hope for hip hop to have a more, let's say, uh, um, not, not just a, a more nuanced political voice, or do you think it, there's, there's room for folks in the hip-hop industry in particular to do something that's far more progressive and a unified front kind of thing? I think, I think hip-hop has already done that. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama is in office because of hip-hop. I was in Houston where there was 10,000 people at the Ozone Music Awards. It's on video with, with it's Rick Ross, it's Ludacris, it's all those people, Bun B and all of them. And you, you, you know, they made a commitment. They said, we're going to put on our Sunday best. You know, people like David Bannon said, we are not going to mess this guy's chance up to, to, to get into office. We're going to be part of this history. And they went to work. Uh, I was in Houston with people like uh, um, uh, Bun B were out there saying, I'm going to be a kingmaker. I interviewed them. And they were up on the issues and, and, and using their influence. You saw uh, Brad Jordan, a.k.a. Scarface and Willie D run for office and, mm -hmm. in Houston. You have Roz Baraka as mayor in, in Newark. You have Akilah Shirell, you know, who is instrumental in the gang truce and will tell you himself he was influenced by, you know, the golden era of hip hop, you know, running, you know, their street team as they reimagine public safety. So I think there's hip hop sensibilities. Do I want a rapper, you know, somebody who's strictly into rap to come up with a nuance, you know, to, to, to lead me? You know, maybe if they're Rebel Diaz, Sure, because they are organizers more than their artists. You know, dead prez, I can get with their, their politics. Um, do I want 50 Cent to do it? No, man, that, that wouldn't make no sense, you know, because they, they don't have skin in the game. So I think there's a lot of artists that, that I think have the nuance. I mean, you're going to have speech on. Speech has mm. a certain type of nuance. You know, he'll, he'll, he can have a political conversation with you. Uh, but do I want a rapper sitting in office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that day, that train has left. We mm -hmm. imagined that a long time ago, uh, back in the 90s, but I don't need a rapper to be in office. I need somebody who loves black people mm -hmm. to be in office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you can rap and love black people, I'll take it. And if, right. <laughs> and, and if, if, you, if you're the janitor or one of you guys, you know, sitting in the chair, you know, in office and love us, then I'll take that. Yeah, um, they, they probably don't want me to be in office because I'm, I'm a smoke weed and... Uh, <laughs> And, and, and cuss and um, do, some, do probably burn flags and all that. So they oh, probably don't want me. Know. But speaking, no, speak, we need we need we need respectability back here, and, and you're you're kind of uncouth. That's true. Really that. uncouth. I tell them that every day, B. Hey, every day. hey, hey, hey. Look at that. Yeah. I, I thought smoking weed was legal in California. <laughs> oh. But anyway, <laughs> any, anyway, um, speaking of that, you were also talking about hip hop and politics. You were a part of the national hip hop national hip hop political convention. Uh, mm -hmm. probably about a dozen year, dozen or so years ago um, right. when Rosa and uh, Cynthia McKinney were running for president, vice president. I, w I was in Chicago when Rosa accepted the award. Yeah. So, so what, what? I mean, what, accepted the nomination. 
Yeah. Right. What what would you um you know, what would you say uh real quick was the uh the pros and cons of that particular uh piece? Well, obviously, you know, you were talking about Obama and for several generations of people this was the culmination of all their years of struggle to one day see, you know, somebody who is black be in the White House, you know. Uh, whether or not his politics were online and all that was irrelevant to a lot of folks, at least the ones I talked to who had, you know, that were <laughs> 90 years old when I went to that inauguration and was like, you don't understand, I sat on the back of the bus mm -hmm. and they hung my uncle and, you know, I heard all those stories. For, for them, this was their moment. Right. And there was nothing wrong with that. And that's what Rosa and Cynthia were up against. Uh, it, it overshadowed the historicness of what they were doing and even the policies that they were trying to represent. Uh, I wish they had came on the scene with more of a, uh, a power base in terms of media to get their message out consistently where people could really, you know, soar and heard what they were talking about. Instead, they seem, you know, in the eyes of some, it's like, well, why are y'all doing this when this black man is running for office? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would like to have seen them run again, you know, maybe for a local office. I know Cynthia was Congresswoman, um, but I think I would have liked to see more artists if they were gonna go in that direction or more people coming out of that generation to have run uh, on local levels. And I think to a degree we have seen that, um, but, you know, in terms of people coming out of the convention, many of the people that I know have been doing all that work, you know, to, they've been doing the kingmaker, queenmaker work. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that's been like, let me get these voters. Let me work in these battleground states. Let me do this behind the scenes stuff. So I don't know if they're necessarily trying to sit in office, but they definitely are trying to organize and, and, and shift power, at least electorally speaking. David D., that, yeah. we want to thank you for coming on. <laughs> David D, adjunct professor, hip hop historian, best hip hop historian I know. You know what I'm saying, David D, uh, radio I, personality and yeah. so forth. We want to thank you so much. I was trying to give a little that. knock on Minister Sir. You know, I'm going to be. I know he's going to say I'm, anything about that. I'm going to be. I'm going to be uh, remiss because you know we do have a book coming out. So. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell it, us a little bit. Yeah. So it's the rewrite of uh, Jeff Chang's book called um, "Can't Stop, Won't Stop." And so we did a rewrite of it, um, and it goes all the way up to the pandemic and the George Floyd rebellions. Uh, and, you know, asked me to be a co-author on it. I was very honored to do that. That was a lot of work, you know, writing a book. It's, it's really geared for young people. Mm -hmm. And so that will be coming out in March. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, the whole magic of that book was understanding that this music and this culture called hip-hop has always been alongside the political dynamics of the day, you know, from its very beginning all the way up to now. Um, hip hop does not exist in a vacuum. And yeah, there's a commercial element that wants to detach it from its uh, political leanings or its response to political scenarios. But we try to highlight, you know, you know the work that people have been doing, you know, uh, from, from that artist lens, you know, from the speeches on down and, uh, you know, hopefully people like it. So cool. I'm well, looking we, forward we, to it. We, we're looking forward uh, to having you back on. Hopefully we can get you and uh, Jeff Chang on to talk about the book when it drops. Okay. Um, also, uh, where can folks check out Hard Knock Radio? Well, if you're in Atlanta, we're on 89.3. I think we're on at 12 noon. If you're up here in the Bay, we're on at 4 o'clock on KPFA. We're in Seattle. We're in 
Portland, we're in Fresno, we're in PR, we're in a few places. I don't know all the different times, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, the, we're, the flagship is here in the Bay Area every day at four o'clock. No and, doubt. And you know, and big shout out to you all in the ATL. Yo, yeah. salute, man. Appreciate you. Keep Thank up you, the good sir. work, Davey. Listen, Renegade Culture. We'll be right back. Black out. Peace and much love. I am Minister Server, right here with your hip hopstery. Y'all know who this is? Well, you should know who it is. This is Christopher Lee Rejos, also known as Big Pun, one of the dopest MCs in hip hop history. Now, Big Pun's a big dude, as you see, but his lyrical dexterity, the way he flips words, which is verbal gymnastics, was beyond comparison. When he came up with Fat Joe and the Terror Squad, yo, he dropped the album Capital Punishment, and he was the first Latino artist to go platinum. You know what I'm saying? He had another album out called Yeah Baby that just took it to another height. Unfortunately, Pun left us way too early. He was only 28 years old when he passed on in the year 2000, and uh, he died of a heart attack, man. So again, health and wellness is a part of it as well. But Big Pun will go down in history as one of the dopest MCs ever. Big up to the Bronx, big up to all the people that are repping real hip-hop lyrics. Big Pun, hip-hopstery. Word. What's happening, Renegade Coaches in the building? Yo, we back, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Kalanji Jamachanga back at you. Kamal K. Franklin. We're in the building. Um, we just had Davey D on. Yo, that was amazing, you know what I'm saying? Having Davey D on for the first time on the show. You Talking know what about mean? Hollywood and politics. He, he was lighting it up. All that Oakland news, I didn't know all that. I was writing that down, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you know I always bring on the, the dopest guests. Well, in always, fact, always. Wow. always. In fact, this next guest, speaking of the dopeness, uh-oh, two-time platinum. Bam. Uh, two MTV awards. Talk that talk. Two Grammys. Bam. Uh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I said two times platinum. I was wrong on that. Uh -oh. I think it's, is it two and a half times platinum? Four, Four times, times platinum. platinum. You can't oh, mercy me. Mercy me. Four times platinum. We sorry, speech. Two sorry. Grammys. <laughs> he, can't, he can't read either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> two MTV awards. Bam. Soul Train awards. NAACP Lifetime Achievement oh, Awards. Bam. And the most important part of them all, are y'all ready for this? What? Return guest to Renegade Culture. Yeah. Oh, Hot damn. We have speech from Arrested Development. Speech from Arrested How you doing, brother man? You good? Man, I'm doing good. I'm 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 hanging in there. It's been a it's been an interesting year, dude, like to say the least. Mm -hmm. How's you and yeah. the family been doing around the COVID stuff actually? Y'all 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 doing good? Masking we're, it up. We're quarantining real heavy. So mm -hmm. we're all good. None of my family has gotten it, but I've I've lost friends. I mean, mm -hmm. people have died, man, that I know closely. Wow. And so it's been, you know, a double-edged sword. Like I've been having some of the best times at the house and doing certain things here and then some of the worst news with friends of mine passing so it's you know it's it's tough that's a horrible thing man i got to tell y'all man I, I said this before speech lives on a lovely island <laughs> almost drove into the ocean one day trying to get to his house Literally, I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, speech. I'm out here as alligators, orangutans, nope. <laughs> and all types of other things. I was scared as hell. I'm talking yeah. about I tried to back up speech. I had to come out there. And he, and it was and hilarious. He, and he's guiding me out in the middle of the night. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is speech from Arrested Development doing traffic control for The four-time <laughs> Grammy Award winner. Yes. No, no. Four times platinum. Four-time platinum. Oh, yes. Two-time Grammy Award get, winner. Get it right. That's right. Anyway, man. Man, it's a lot going over this whole presidency, man. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm very, like, I literally feel like a, lip, a load has been lifted off my back. Okay. I hated the four years that we had to deal with Trump. 
I really felt literal pressure on my whole spirit and body that whole time. And I feel like a lot of it's been lifted off by just simply having somebody that I feel is sane in the office and having somebody that I think cares about just general things, not to mention is saying that he's going to do certain things for our people, which are extremely deserving. So I feel relieved and I feel hopeful and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. You know, it is, it is, it is a wild day on the planet when I hear you say that um, just the, the first thing you said, having someone that is sane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's like in the last four years, that's, that's been something, you know, something hard to ask for. Yeah. You know what I'm Bro, saying? I literally have felt like for the last four years, we've been dealing with insanity, narcissism, just lack of general morals. I'm not talking about high end morals, just just your general basic morals. Just nothing there, man. It's been it's been insane to me now, and to probably to most of the nation. You know, obviously, there's a, a big swath of the nation that loves him, but mm -hmm. the rest of the nation doesn't. And, you know, most people I know are celebrating. Right. So so about two weeks ago, um, you know, in, in, in typical Trump style, you know, we thought that COVID was like the grand finale, but uh, <laughs> the grand finale happened to be this whole storming of the Capitol situation. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? We know that uh, you wrote a song about it. Want to hit here, go. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, as you well know, I wrote I wrote a song literally the night of that rebellion, that insurrection. I wrote a song about a lot of the issues that I was feeling. I mean, number one, I felt like the hypocrisy and the double standard was just so disheartening, so blaring between what they've done with us when we're nonviolently protesting and what they did with these people who were violently, pro I mean, uh, not even protesting, rioting, trying to subdue the entire government, trying to hang and kill people in the Capitol, subverting the whole entire election results and ceremony that they were doing. I mean, just literal like revolutionary tactics and the response from most of the police was astounding. And the fact that they allowed these men and women, most of them to go home. So I think there was like 2000 or more people out there, mm -hmm. right. probably 200 or more in the Capitol itself. And they allowed everyone but 50 or so it was only about 50 arrests initially. That's right. And they allowed all of the rest of them to go back to their hotels, back to their hometowns, before they even started any searches for people. It was just yeah. the, and they only the did double that. standard. I was going to say, they only did that because, you know, there was that outrage about it. Because as we know, uh, you know, a lot of the protesters included cops and law enforcement and military personnel, which shows a lot of times that, you know, the, the amount of police that support Trump and even just the right-wing behavior that's endemic in the police department and military, they didn't want to do anything about that because they were, they were out there with them in the most part, you know? Exactly. And that, to me, was another, like, deeply concerning situation. Just, like, we've always known about white supremacist organizations, skinheads, Proud Boys, Boogaloo, all of these different organizations. But what I think America needed to wake up to was how entrenched those types of organizations are 
with just your, like my neighbors, bro. Like the people around my neighborhood, the people maybe around your neighborhood, but it's like people that are just average Americans are entrenched in a lot of these same ideologies in a radical way. Mm -hmm. And those were a lot of the people that were at that march and at, that turned into a riot and an insurrection and all the rest of the things that were happening. Not to mention the congressmen and women who were involved in it, the police, the ex-servicemen or, or, or present servicemen. So it goes so deep. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a definite wake up call, hopefully for white America. I don't think it's too much of a wake up call for me. You guys, like, I'll tell you, I think we already understood how deep this, this thing goes. But I think for a lot of people, it's, it's sort of freaking them out. And I still don't think they totally get it. I think I saw yeah, your hand go yeah, like, yeah. I don't think they get it. Yeah, you know, I don't think so As deep as they need to. You know, it's wild. You had uh, a couple of documentaries uh, recently, uh, a yeah. little docuseries on uh, YouTube. Uh, dealing with the whole nigger factory. Will yeah. you be responding to what's going on right here in, in, in that type of manner, or you're just going to leave it to the music on that particular? No, I think, you know, I try to, I try to use whatever medium is most available to <clears throat> And so, you know Jason Orr from Funk Jazz Cafe fame. Jason. Shout out to Jason. Jason helps me with those um, hoodwinked nigger factory mini docs. And so because of COVID, a lot of our team has been disbanded. They've had to do other gigs in order to make a living. So my sort of team to help make that happen has been put on hold for a moment. So I've been doing other things like the music and my, my new single, A Different World is really trying to hit that right head on. And I'm proud because I was able to release that six days after the insurrection. Mm. So it was pretty much right on time with what's going on right now. Tell us about A Different World and also- um, The album. Uh, the album. Um, don't Fight Your yeah. Demons. Don't Fight Your Demons. Yeah, so I mean, Don't Fight Your Demons is the Arrested Development album. And it came out September 25th, along with Public Enemy's album, Paris's album, um, Nappy Roots album. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people that was like really on the conscious hip hop scene, we, we had a really momentous release date. And the record has gotten on numerous 2020 best of album lists mm. and it's gotten tons of critical acclaim. We've sold a lot of records compared to what we have been in the last, you know, 20 years or so mm -hmm. and a lot of love. So it's this this record called Don't Fight Your Demons. It's available on all the streaming services and people can buy it on our website which is arresteddevelopmentmusic.com. And then we got the vinyl dropping for that record this month. Wow. So people can get vinyl records too. And then the different world, the single about the insurrection, which is really all about that. That single has been a solo single of mine that I wanted to release to just talk about. Because to me, I feel like hip hop music rarely talks about the things that are going on in real time, especially the things that are super important. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was a good example of doing that, like getting back to what hip hop was at its height in the golden era where we were talking about all types of things, but one of the things we were talking about was what was going on in life, you know what I mean? And I feel like hip hop, especially mainstream hip hop, hasn't really done that very well. So this single does that. It really hits this topic. Speak, speaking of hip hop, um, your, your former president just pardoned a couple uh, rappers, Kodak Black, uh, 
Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne, uh, uh, and a, a few other uh, characters. What was your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, personally, I feel like whatever Trump does, it's generally speaking not well thought out. So I'm not saying he shouldn't have pardoned these brothers, but I will say there is brothers and sisters that are in prison for much lesser charges who have been in there for much more time that deserve to have been let out. And, I, and if he was the type to do any real research and have a lot of good advisors around him, there was many people he could have pardoned that really needed that love much deeper. And, and I'm not dissing my peers in the hip hop game, but I feel like there's other people that could have gotten those pardons that really needed that. And they're less voiceless than people like Kodak Black or Lil Wayne. So right. that's what I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they definitely, uh, we, we still trying to figure out what the hell Kodak Black or Lil Wayne talking about um, on a day-to-day -day basis, so, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and that's, that's the other thing. Like, it seems obvious to me that he would choose, number one, celebrities, but number two, celebrities that don't talk about any type of polit political stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Lil Wayne has literally said he doesn't, he hasn't experienced racism. So <laughs> people like that is who he would pardon. Yeah as opposed to anybody that might, if Chuck D was in prison, which he's not, but if he was, he likely wouldn't pardon Chuck D. You know what I'm saying? Like, or speech he either. would pardon Lil Wayne over yeah. Chuck D. Yeah. Or speech either. He wouldn't be pardoning you either, brother. He wouldn't, yeah, he he wouldn't pardon me. I like, think he'd get a photo op with, with, uh, with Lil Wayne and the rest of them, so that's probably why they got down. So Lil when we come Wayne, back, Kodak Black, Kanye West, people that's like never yeah. really challenged anything he's ever spoken about. And with Lil Wayne and Kodak Black, I don't know if they've challenged anything of any type of political nature. <laughs> I, I, I think if anything, they're challenged themselves. But anyway. <laughs> that, that, well, that, that is, that's really the root issues. They're deeply challenged. Sure, you know indeed. We're, li we're listening to Renegade Culture. We had Speech from Rest Development. We're going to be back at you in a few ticks. And when we come back, uh -huh. Speech is going to drop a couple of a couple of lines for us, if I'm, I'm not misunderstanding. Oh, my. And I think we got a bold question for Speech. So when you come back, we're going to, we're going to try to read this bold question. Don't look, don't look weirded out by the bold question. I, I will explain that to you when we come back on Renegade Culture, right? Boom. Black, black, black. Seven Renegade coaches back at you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Exciting outro, you know what I'm saying? And we heard some big stuff from speech. We got big stuff, and, and we didn't even hear all the big stuff from Apparently speech. Apparently not. Yeah, there's some other stuff brewing. Yeah, so so speech, for, for you youngins or whatever, one, one thing I, I have to say because of the fact that, um, and, and I was talking to some folks earlier today, when you think of Arrest Development, you don't have to guess what their songs are because any day of the week, you could turn on the radio mm -hmm. and you can hear something from Arrested Development. Yeah. That is, I mean, man, I mean, that is a phenomenal feat. They're and icons, I, and I, man. I They're mean, icons. I mean, I mean, literally, mm -hmm. any day of the week, any part of the country, the country yeah. you can yeah. go and turn on the radio and you can hear something from Arrested Development. Yeah. So if you don't know the like name, I, I, I would say Arrested Development and Houdini. These are two Woo! groups whose names Indeed. they... Rest in peace, ecstasy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Rest in peace, ecstasy. Shout out to uh, Jalil, you know what I mean? Who's yeah. an excellent brother. Um, but these are two groups that oftentimes new folks don't might not know the name, but they know the songs, they know the music. Everybody so I, I definitely want to salute you all for that work. And um, RIP to my brother, our elder, 
Baba OJ, who was an official yep. member of the FTP movement, who was outside feeding the people with us every week when he was alive, when he was here in Atlanta. I know he ended up going back and got sick and all of that. Real, a real brother, a real brother. Man, he was 60-something years old doing splits. He took me to a roller skating ring with him one time. <laughs> and um, yeah. he was skating better than me. He was spinning around, doing all kinds no of doubt. things, kicking it with the ladies. I was like, yo, Bob OJ, yeah. <laughs> holla at her, man. Give her my number. Yeah. He's like, man, yeah. you got to get your own. But uh, <laughs> Bob OJ was definitely a good brother. Yo, so before, yeah, you, before you do that, uh, you, you talked on the break about um, a super group. I'm going to call him a super group. It sounds like a super group to me that you guys are forming. Can you tell the folks a little bit about, about this group and who's in it? Well, we was talking earlier about Daddy-O, and Daddy-O is the famous, infamous MC from um, Stetsasonic. Yes. One of my heroes of hip-hop. I remember listening to that record all the time. And then another hero of mine, Chuck D from Public Enemy, obviously even more infamous, probably the number one Hall of Fame hip-hop group of all time, <laughs> and Indeed. myself are all doing this group. Hmm. and. Daddy O put this thing together. It's called the, a night the Night Train. And we're putting together album. And we did, how it all started is we did a single uh, that Daddy O did um, called Bullets. And it was a Daddy O single featuring Chuck D and me. And people loved it. We loved it. And Daddy O was like, yo, we should do a group. We should tour. And then, of course, COVID hit. Yeah, and it yeah. slowed down that process. And in the meantime, I released... Don't Fight Your Demons, the solo album that's coming out on February 1st, expansion. But we're as soon as all of that stuff is over, we're getting right back into it. So, yeah, super group. That's the, the hottest, night train. Man. That's the, the night train. Yeah, all right, so cool. quickly, we got uh, Knock is Nonsense, uh, which we, you know, the audience is familiar with. We got like a thousand questions in the bowl. Uh, you know, it's a thousand questions. Don't, don't ask any <laughs> questions about how many questions. Um, and we're going to read one of them randomly to you and ask you to give us a quick response about what you think uh, based okay. on the question. So, uh-oh. Uh, ooh, my man can't spell advice, but I'm gonna keep it going. What <laughs> advice do you have for new hip-hop artists? So, Brother Speech, what advice do you have for new hip-hop artists in the game? Two pieces of advice. Number one, be original, bro. We insist we need more original artists. People that are willing to speak their real story instead of trying to be hot and trying to be like along with the rest of the rappers that are already out. And then the second thing I would say is love the art of hip hop because there's a tradition that you're standing on the shoulders of people. And I'm not saying it's self-serving. Mm. I did it myself. I just mentioned Chuck D, Stetsasonic, Daddy-O, and so many others that I stand on their shoulders, you stand on our shoulders. So remember that hip hop is a tradition so those are the two things I would tell hmm. new MCs that are getting into this. Learn the history, understand it, and appreciate it. Don't just come in like nothing's happened prior to you. That was, that's, that's the two things I would say. That's, that's beautiful, beautiful, brother. That's, that that's real dope right there. That's hip-hopstery, yeah. as, uh, as uh, Minister Serb would say. No okay, um, man, we want to thank you for coming on. But before you leave, it is a tradition of, of, of hip-hop artists that, that, that come through. To, uh, to, to, to spit some bars. Now, word on the street uh -oh. is that speech from the rest of development True. had a few bars that he wanted to share with the people. <laughs> huh? Well, y'all asked me to, so I'll, I'll spit something. You want to spit something? <laughs> no doubt, no before, doubt. Wait a minute, though. Before you do that, we was going to ask um, uh, social media Content, contacts yeah. or if folks want to yes. pick up the album one last time. 
Yeah, so all of our new joints, you could get them at arresteddevelopmentmusic.com or my website, brotherspeech.com. Yes. And everything's there. So the new Arrested Development album, Don't Fight Your Demons, my new solo album, which drops on February 1st, is called Expansion. And all the singles that I talked about from a different world to the single that I wanted you on, Kalanji, um, Becoming, all of that's there. So brotherspeech.com, let's just wrap it up to that. Cool, cool, cool. And on IG, I'm at speech underscore underscore. Same with Twitter, at speech underscore underscore. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, everybody quiet on the set. My man Speech is going to kick some bars for us. Word up. I'm going to do this, this track that's from the Don't Fight Your Demons record. It's called Moses. And um, I just wrote it pretty recently, so I'm going to try to spit it. But it goes, I wrote Acre for Acres. Then I bought more than 10 acres. That's how I fight against these racists. Even my third eye had Lasix. So I've been seeing 2020 since 93, just covering the basics. Everyday people in the public fans screaming, we want more. I love it. People every day during the encore. At back home, I open up my barn door. John Deere tractor, pull it out. Roddy Moore for the mule and 40 acres that never made it around my house. Slave away in my indoor office. Offices is for bosses. Any winner has had losses or falsehoods poured all over them. Don't get lost in the sauces. I asked Jesus, can he save me? I felt myself drowning in these ladies, breaking marital bonds for quick relations. Took my wife on the road to nip temptations. I am no longer a rolling stone like Brian Jones. No large bodies of water in Georgia. Large bodies of water give me euphoria. Menominee River Parkway off Concordia. Milwaukee, Wisconsin Lakefront down at Memorial. It's sacred soil. Nothing you know of me has been a front. Not an actor or activist. No stunts. And everything that I teach to the music is roots. My quest is love within the booth. Not about what I've done, but what I do. Not married to the game, but to the groove. Not married to the fame, but to the tune. If you were to ask the same from the who's who, our best is a disconnect like Bluetooth. To my true blues, it's not new news to you. That's all. I just get you. Blackout, blackout. That's right. You heard it here first. Exclusive. Speech. From Arrested Development, speech, man. We love you. Appreciate you, brother. You know what I'm saying? Much love, man. Um, Thanks for having me on, Thank y'all. you for coming, yes, brother. Thank yes. you so much. Anything Thanks. you need, we here. Renegade Coach up. Blackout. We out. Bro, bro, bro.